Good Tuesday. Welcome back to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast for daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Today on the show, we are going to be discussing a big crystal ball in the direction of Ohio State. I will tell you who that is and why it's a big deal. We will also be discussing about the NFL, talking about the NFL Combine, which is this week in Indianapolis. What Buckeye is on my radar to have a big showing this week. And do scouts overthink things? Joe Burrow, small hands. Hold the jokes, please. I will tell you why that irritates me so much. Coming up today on Lockdown Buckeyes and some research for you. Basketball tournament, NCAA tournament. Does Ohio State have a better chance than you think to advance? I will explain later on Locked on Buckeyes. Your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Make sure you find and follow us on the platform of your choice. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., etc. Or simply say, play the Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Find me, your host, Kyle Lamb, on Twitter at KYLAM8. Find the show at Locked on Buckeye. Coming up next... A big crystal ball for Ohio State football. I'll tell you who it is. We pick up right where we left off for the show yesterday here on Locked on Buckeyes, talking about the 2021 recruiting efforts of Ohio State football. Because conveniently, after we had that discussion about whether or not the Buckeyes would wind up number one with the 2021 recruiting class this upcoming season, On Monday, Ohio State got a little bit more good news in the way of a crystal ball from 24-7. Actually, a couple crystal balls from 24-7 sports for Donovan Edwards. He is a five-star, kind of a fringe four-star, five-star running back. He's the number three running back in the 2021 class. 5'11", 190 pounds from West Bloomfield, Michigan. And as you probably surmised, if you don't follow recruiting very closely, Yes, he was a huge and still remains a huge Michigan recruiting target. For Ohio State to get crystal balls for Edwards, one of the top targets at that position in in the country, is is big news because if that comes to fruition and he will be visiting Ohio State here next week, if he does wind up at Ohio State, not only would Ohio State be getting a, a one of their top running back targets in this class, which is something that they just simply haven't done the last few classes, but they would play keep away from their biggest rival. And if Michigan fans didn't have it bad enough, this is certainly not going to make them feel any better. I mentioned the other running backs in this class, Evan Pryor, Ohio State has a chance at, he's supposed to be visiting next month. Travion Henderson, there was a crystal ball by Steve Wiltfong, director of recruiting on the 24-7 network for Henderson to Ohio State, but that apparently has been withdrawn. I assume that has something to do with Edwards getting one of Wilt Wong's crystal balls, which makes sense because you would think Henderson, the number two back, and Edwards, the number three back, most likely probably not going to wind up at the same school. So if Ohio State lands Edwards and Pryor, for instance, then they're not going to get Henderson. But You have to feel really good because those are three out of the top five running backs in the country right now. Henderson, number two in the consensus rankings. Edwards, number three. Pryor, number five. So if you're Ohio State, you're hoping to land two of those three. And if you could get two top five backs in this class, uh, I don't need to tell you, that's, that's huge news for Ohio State. So 
really, really big momentum for Ohio State. Of course, they had momentum at this time last year with Jalen Knighton and B. John Robinson going into the summer, and we all know how that turned out. So you got to hold your breath a little bit, but Ohio State hoping to land Donovan Edwards, play keep away. Michigan thought to be the favorite for a long time for him. Ohio State now having a shot at Edwards and a shot at Pryor or Henderson. Really good momentum for Ohio State at that position, a position that Ohio State really needs momentum. I'm not as down on Ohio State's running back situation as some of you are. I've been saying, watch out, Master Teague, going to have a good gear this year. I think Marcus Crowley is going to be a big-time player. They have the guys, they have the dudes to be really good at that position, but you certainly would like to get back to landing top five running backs, and Ohio State has a chance to do it here. It's, it's really bizarre. Of all the recruiting success Ohio State has had throughout the years, I can't explain or make sense of why they've landed so few five-star running backs. Now, don't get me wrong. Ohio State has had the success at running back, so uh, Ezekiel Elliott was not a five-star. He did really, well, really, really well. Carlos Hyde was not a five-star. He had a great career. It's not like Ohio State has been lacking at the position. They've still gotten the job done and had a lot of guys run for a lot of yards. So it's not like they need five stars. It's just perplexing that they haven't been able to land those top targets at this at this position at this particular school. Given Ohio State and the success they've had at running back, it's amazing they haven't been able to land five stars. But Donovan Edwards receiving a couple crystal balls to Ohio State uh, for the 2021 recruiting class. He is the number three running back, a consensus running back in the class. So we will keep an eye on that and, of course, keep you up to date here on Locked on Buckeyes in the future as far as the running back recruiting goes. Now, if you will permit me to do so, it is the time of the year, the annual tradition, where I give my feedback and my criticism of the NFL scouting combine and the said coverage of the combine because this is the week where NFL hopefuls uh, go into Indianapolis. They descend on the city. They get all their measurements taken. And they go through the drills, answer all the questions, the interviews from, from NFL teams, yada, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then NFL scouts and executives overthink themselves, they outsmart themselves, and they wind up tricking themselves into or talking themselves out of taking really good players. And it's not going to affect this particular guy, but Joe Burrow had his hands measured as part of his measurements. He wound up measuring at 6'3 and, and a half, 221 pounds, a hand size of nine inches, a wingspan of 74 inches. And the hand, the hand size especially has drawn some reviews. He even joked about it on Twitter that he's going to retire because of his small hands, his teeny tiny hands. Interestingly enough, what the media is not telling you is, is nine inches for hand size is actually average. That's the, the average quarterback size. So it's not even small hands. But for his class, apparently... Nine inches is a little bit on the small side. Justin Herbert measured at 10 inches. Tua Tagovailoa uh, also at 10 inches. Jordan Love, who you're going to hear a ridiculous amount of hype the next few weeks, measured at 10 and a half inches. People are going to love that. Jordan Love is going to get a lot of attention. 
because of his hand size and his athleticism and his durability and, and all that. So this is the part where I get really irritated and annoyed because scouts just tend to overthink things. They're worried about height or hand size or arm strength. And arm strength is, is a little bit more important. But sometimes when you watch a quarterback and you just watch them make the throws, you tend to overthink it. I'm not saying arm arm strength isn't important, especially in the NFL, because there are certain throws that you need the arm strength. But some guys have average to maybe slightly above average arm strength, and you still find a way to nitpick and, and you overthink it. And Drew Brees, I said this all along back when he was early in his NFL days, and I said, if Drew Brees' only problem, if his only issue is his height, but he can do everything on the football field that you would expect of him besides those extra couple inches, then you should not be shying away from Drew Brees. If Joe Burrow can make all the throws despite his average hand size and his maybe average to slightly above average arm, if he can do everything else on the football field, then you should not be shying away from Joe Burrow. And I I just have such uh, an irritation level for this kind of thinking. Because sometimes it just comes down to, can you play football? And this goes for basketball, too, and, and other sports. Football is the only, not the only sport that we see this in. But, man, Joe Burrow can play football. He's going to be a great quarterback. Will he be Tom Brady? Will he be a Hall of Fame quarterback? I don't know. I, I think he's going to have a great career. I can understand whether or not – I can understand the discussion whether or not he's going to wind up being the best quarterback out of this class or worth the number one overall pick. I think he will be. I think he can make all the throws. But are we really nitpicking his nine-inch size hands? And, I mean, if that's the case, boy, Jake Fromm is really in trouble because he actually measured under nine-inch hands. And and Drake, Jake Fromm I didn't think was that impressive of a prospect to begin with. But when he checks in at, what was it, eight, inch, eight and seven-eighths inches uh, on his hand size, I think that's really going to hurt Jake Fromm. But the bottom line is, unlike Fromm, Burrow has shown he has the it factor. Okay, just watch him play. He can throw the football. He can make all the throws. I don't see that changing at the NFL level. I just get irritated when we start putting things like height and hand size and arm strength ahead of just whether or not guys can play the position. And I think that we're seeing that now. Scouts tend to be the smartest guys in the room, so they think executives tend to find reasons not to draft guys instead of just trusting their judgment, trusting their instincts about a guy. Just watch the film and just say, yeah, this guy can play. And I don't think it's going to matter with Joe Burrow because I think the Bengals are dead set on drafting Joe Burrow. And despite the media hype, the Bengals will draft Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow is not going to fight it because he doesn't care. Joe Burrow is not all that concerned about going to Cincinnati His family's from Southern Ohio. He grew up watching the Bengals. I don't know that he's a diehard fan, but he's watched the Bengals all his life. He's not against going there. The family is fine. They're close by. They'll be able to drive to his home games. This is not an issue, folks. I don't care what the media or Mike Florio, especially a pro football talk, tries to make out of this. (laughs) The Bengals are taking Burrow and he's not going to fight it. He'll sign with the Bengals, and he'll go play because that's his dream. Uh, So 
the media, I know they're trying desperately to come up with a narrative and the scouts and the media are doing the same thing with all these measurements, but it's not going to matter. Real quick, by the way, I just want to get this out in the open. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I, I think that K.J. Hill is going to really impress at the Combine this week. We've seen his ability to run routes. He's got great footwork, decent speed. He checked out with, with decent measurements for, for a uh, a slot receiver, and that's what he's going to be at the next level. So I'm not sure that K.J. Hill is going to be as good as we've seen with Terry McLaurin so far his rookie year. But I do think K.J. Hill is going to have a great career as an inside slot receiver, a guy that a Wes Welker type that can wind up, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Wes Welker. That's a, a, you know, lofty praise, but a Wes Welker type that you can count on to get that third and seven uh, big time catch to, to extend a drive. I think KJ Hill is going to do that for some team for a long time. I expect him to be a really, really good Ohio state receiver in the NFL for years to come. So, NFL draft will keep an eye on now former Buckeyes here throughout the week and see what happens when the combine starts later this week. I believe Thursday, Thursday through Sunday is when the drills begin at the NFL combine. Uh, Coming up next, we've talked about Ohio State basketball. Can they advance? Uh, I did a little bit of research and you will, I think you'll like what I had to find. I'll explain here coming up next. I decided to do some interesting research, and and I think this is going to make you feel better about Ohio State's standing and chances of advancement in the NCAA tournament. But I'll talk about that here in a minute. I will say real quick, Ohio State did move up two spots this week in the AP poll from 25 to 23 after the loss to Iowa and then the big home win over Maryland. So the Buckeyes remain in the top 25. They move up a couple of spots. Big 10 Still looking really strong. Six teams in the top 25. Uh, Boy, this league is really, really brutal. It's tough. Uh, But Ohio State, I've seen this remark a lot on Twitter, and I agree with it, by the way, but I will issue a caveat along with it. I see so many people that say, Ohio State looks like a team that could lose early or make a run in the NCAA tournament. They could lose in the first round or make a run. That is actually true for every single team in the NCAA tournament. We have already seen a 16 beat a one seed now. That just happened a couple years ago, UMBC beating Virginia. But every other team, if you're an at-large caliber team especially, okay, if you're seeded 1 to 11 or 12, then you are good enough to make a run in the NCAA tournament to the Final Four. Remember, we've seen 11 seeds make it to the Final Four. So... This has happened a couple times now. And you're also vulnerable enough that you can lose in the first round. So when people say that about Ohio State, it's like, well, that's true. But Ohio State is like every other team. Every team is vulnerable, could lose in the first round or advance deeper into the tournament, including a Final Four run. And I was having this discussion with some people on Twitter, some analytics-minded people, because we were talking about, or they were talking about, the consistency and the regularity and the thresholds for teams ranked with defensive and offensive efficiency, okay? The combined national rankings of adjusted offensive and defensive efficiencies. That is to say, if you're ranked 10th in offense and 10th in defense, then your combined ranking is 20. 
I decided to look. I, I went go wanted to go back and measure the frequency in which teams advance based on these buckets. So what I did is I went back and looked at every tournament from 2008 to last year, 2019, and I placed every team in a bucket based on their combined ranking, offense and defensive efficiency. I split it up into 10 buckets with uh, with groups of 20. So that is the first group was a combined rank of 2 to 20. The second group was 21 to 40. The third group was 41 to 60, etc. Remember, this is offensive and defensive efficiency ranks combined. So if you're ranked 10th in offense and 15th in defense, then that would put you in group number two. Your combined ranking is 25, which is 21 to 40. For each group, I looked at the total winning percentage in the first round, second round, Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four, and the total. And it went as you would expect. The first group, up to 20, has won 80% overall in the NCAA tournament, and they're a perfect 32-0 and in the first round in the last 12 years. The second group, 21-40, to 40, has won 70% of their games. They are 76-9, and nine, that's 89%, in the first round, and then another 72%, 55-21, and 21, in the second round. That means 67% almost of teams in group two, 21 to 40, have advanced to the Sweet 16. Only 11%, only nine teams out of 85, lost in the first round. Group one, by the way, there are only two teams currently in group one this year. That's Kansas and Duke. There are six teams currently in group two. They are Baylor, San Diego State, Michigan, Michigan State, Arizona, and Ohio State. That's right. Ohio State right now is one of six teams in group two. That means if you look historically the last 12 years at teams with combined offensive and defensive efficiency rankings under 40, Ohio State, based on these numbers, based on this precedent, has roughly an 89-90% chance of winning in the first round and a two-thirds chance of getting to the Sweet 16. Ohio State is a balanced team right now overall. Now, the defensive efficiency, as I've been telling you, the defensive efficiency in conference play has slipped a little bit. Ohio State will need to be more consistent defensively and continue to cut down on the turnovers offensively because the thing about Ohio State is they depend a lot on their shooting. They're a really good shooting team, one of the best in the country, but teams that are relying on outside shooting especially are vulnerable. And Ohio State, when they get really hot, they're really good. But because of the high turnovers, they need to continue shooting well. So it's optimal if Ohio State continues to cut down on the turnovers by a couple percent. Even three to four extra possessions a game could allow them to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. So if they do those two things, cut down on the turnovers and play a little bit better defensively, more consistently, then Ohio State, based on the numbers here, having a combined offensive and defensive efficiency ranking under 40, they've got a really good chance to advance. Again, Group 1, Kansas and Duke. Group 2, Baylor, San Diego State, Michigan State, Michigan, Arizona, Ohio State. Group 3, by the way, 
has won 60% overall. They've won 82% of their first round games, but they slip in the second round. This, this group three has only won 50% of their second round games. So when push comes to shove, only 14 of 89 teams has moved on to the Sweet 16. So there's a big difference here between Group 2 and Group 3. Your Group 3 teams, Gonzaga, Dayton, Louisville, Penn State, Houston, Texas Tech, Maryland, and Florida State. We go to Group 4. These are teams ranked 61 to 80 combined ranking. They are overall winning about 50% of their games in the NCAA tournament. Roughly just over half, 58 and 50 total record, just over half wins the first round games. And then they're 50% again in the second round. So when you get down to it, a total of 12 teams, or I'm sorry, 29 teams have advanced out of 108 to the Sweet 16. So you can start to see it really goes downhill from here. The group four teams, by the way, Creighton, West Virginia, Villanova, Seton Hall, Butler, Purdue, which is going to struggle to make the tournament unless they get wins. Uh, Creighton, or I'm sorry, Colorado, Wisconsin, Minnesota, another team that has a lot of work to do if they want to get in. Marquette and Illinois. Group 5 teams, which roughly have won about 45% of their games, are BYU, Kentucky, Rutgers, uh, Florida, and Utah State. That's it. Those five, those are the five groups right now. And those are uh, comprised of total offensive and defensive rankings of up to 100. So Ohio State is in optimal position to advance. Now, that's not to say that they can't be beaten the first round and that they don't have weaknesses. But right now, Ohio State in Group 2, based on the precedent of the last 12 years, the winning percentage of Group 2 teams, 71% in the NCAA tournament, 89% have advanced to the second round, and almost two-thirds, 66%, have advanced to the Sweet 16. So Ohio State in great shape for the NCAA tournament. So when you hear somebody say, well, they're vulnerable, they could lose in the first round, or they could make a run, well, that's absolutely true. But actually, they're in really good shape in terms of their offensive and defensive efficiency and precedent on how those teams typically perform in the NCAA tournament. That is going to wrap things up today for the Lock on Buckeyes podcast. Thank you for giving us a listen. Find and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Be sure to tell a friend or family member about the show. We are here daily talking about Ohio State football and basketball. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show at Lock on Buckeye. We will be back again Wednesday. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. Thanks for listening.